you know, I, I remember it was this weekend, just last year, that we would be ARC church plant number 759. And today there's 25 churches across America that are doing the same exact thing that we did this past year. And I just think that's something to celebrate. 25 churches bringing hope all across America. So good. You know, when we, when we joined this network of, of church plants and, and, and churches, we joined primarily, one, because we felt like it was our DNA. It was our flow. We felt like we wanted to win. I don't know about you, but I like to win. Anybody like to win out there? Come on, somebody. I like to win, and I felt like this network of churches was led by a group of winners, that they had been a few steps where we want to be, and all we had to do was kind of step in and follow the, the trail that they've led before us. And, and so they say that, the, that more people come to Jesus in any other way right now in this season of our, of our life than through church planning. And I don't know about you, I'm so excited about that because I'm here to tell you 101 people have said yes to Jesus over this past year through our church. And I just think that's amazing. I said, I think that's amazing that, that truly what we say is happening, that we exist so people far from God experience new life in Christ. It, it is why we wake up. It's why we do what we do. Man, I, I, I'm so excited. We've had 19 people get baptized over this past 12 months. 19 people going public with their faith. Man, so amazing. You know, I thought there's a cool story where there is a guy in our church who was, 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 uh, grew up Jewish. And and it was our very first baptismal. It was right after Easter. And he said, he said, God, I, I need to know about this Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I've grown up. I've heard about him. But, you know, I just never felt you say, you know, you need Jesus. And I, he, he would tell me, he said, I never had a problem with Jesus. I just, you know, I was cool with Jesus. But never you know, invited Jesus into my heart. Just me and God were cool, and, you know, that was it. And, and so we, it was a Saturday night right before, the day before church, and we're getting ready to baptize people. And, and he said, God, me and you got to have a conversation. So, so he goes in the shower. He said, God, I'm not leaving the shower until you speak to me. Now, I don't know about you, but that could be a loaded statement. So for the next hour and 45 minutes, He's in the shower asking the Lord, God, show me, speak to me. I'm not leaving this shower till you speak to me. Reminds me of Jacob when he wrestles with God. And he said, he said, about, let's just call it an hour and a half in, <laughs> he looks down and he's got a tattoo on his arm that he got about five or six years ago. And his tattoo says, for those I love, I will sacrifice. And he stopped and he thought and he said, I get it. He said, God, you sent Jesus for me 
because you loved me so much. You were willing to sacrifice and give everything. He goes, I give it. I get it. So he gave his life to Jesus in the shower. Come on. And he got baptized the next day. So good. Somebody just got baptized here last weekend and said, man, I, I feel like Jesus is sitting in the car next to me, and I feel like he's changing me. I can physically feel him changing me from the inside out. It's crazy what God is doing. And then, hey, truth be told, we couldn't do this week in and week out. We make a way and try to clear every obstacle for people uh, with our dream team, man. Our dream team, they help serve week in and week out. We started with 38 people on our dream team. Right now, we have actively 70 people serving on our dream team. Man, I'm telling you, man, God has been doing an amazing thing. I want to read this scripture to you, and we're going to worship just for a second longer. But it says this in Romans 10, verses 14. It says, how then? can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they, I can't read those words back there, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Can I just tell you, this may just be for the dream team, but when you're high-fiving somebody when they're walking in, you're bringing the good news of Jesus. Come on, as you're setting up play panels in the kids' area, and the kids' ministry and you're changing diapers come on you're bringing good news and making a way for a child to say yes to Jesus come on when you set up some balloons for a photo booth you're making a way for people to receive Jesus and as we lift up the name of Jesus and bring the good news in and lets people see that there is a good God so come on one more time let's lift up Jesus in this place come on Come on, sing it out. Let's lift up Jesus one more time. Come on. It's so good. So good. Come on. Why don't you high five three people next to you and tell them, come on, he's good. He's good. He's good. Happy birthday, Hope Rising. Oh, so good. So good to see you. 
Hey, we are, we are honored this morning, so honored to, to have one of my great friends be here this morning to speak to us. And uh, Jason Spears is here, and let me just tell you, yeah, like, I'm so excited you're here, bro. Uh, just believing that this is going to be a day that defines, uh, define, we can look back at today and say, you know what? God met me right here. He spoke to me. He changed my life right here. Jason is all the way from Albany, Georgia. All right, let's go. And uh, he travels literally around the world. And you, I, I'm telling you, we are honored today to be able to have a, a man of God to come and speak to us, to pour into us. I'm telling you, you're going to love today, all right? If you like what he says, give him a little, uh-huh, all right? Give him a little bit of that. Like, it's okay. He'll, he'll go with you. He will, he will go with you, okay? So, so the, the more you participate today, the more he'll get in it and, and make it happen. It's fun that we can have church and have, have a fun time, right? Yeah, well, we're supposed to enjoy church on endurance. So, hey, why don't y'all stand to your feet one more time. Give it up for my buddy, my homie, Jason Spears. Come on, let's give it up for Jason. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, great to see you guys today. What an honor and privilege it is for me to be here with you. Oh, my word, one year. Look around, people. One year. Look what God's done in a year. So cool. So cool. And listen, I, I, as, as your pastor said, I have the privilege to, to travel around. I uh, travel the world. I'm in a different church every single week, just about, and uh, somewhere around the world. Um, and I can tell you, I've, I've become, I, I work with pastors. Uh, uh, I have a, a, a coaching firm. I've I, I'm a business coach as well, and I'm around all types of leaders, um, business owners, CEOs, executive leaders, pastors, high-level people, and I can tell you that uh, there are not two finer people on the planet than your pastors. Well-being Christian. They are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are so amazingly gifted and talented but even more so than their gifts, talents, and abilities, calling, anointing on their life, it's the fact that they're just real people. What you see is what you get. And, boy, it is an honor to be with you guys. Thank you so much. I'm really humbled to be here. Okay, let's look at the life of one of my favorite people in Scripture, the Apostle Paul. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, um, let's check out uh, verse number 7. Do we have that? There we go. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, is, is, is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's telling them, he's like, look, I'm having some great revelations about God and Jesus and everything, but I want you to understand something, that... Uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in my life. Now, to give a little background about who he, who he was, uh, he was this real staunch traditional Jewish guy. Uh, he was a Jewish leader um, in the community, and he was a guy who actually persecuted Christians. He was a guy that um, literally, like, like, I mean, he had blood on his hands because there were people who would be beaten 
uh, people that he, he was trying to snuff out what he called people of the way because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so he was one of the greatest persecutor of Christians. So he was a bully. He was a manipulator. He was a conniver. He would try to befriend people and, 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 and then find out they were Christians. And then, I mean, there were people who literally had been killed because of who he was. And then all of a sudden he has this uh, powerful revelation of Jesus. Jesus confronts him and says, hey, why are you persecuting me? His name was Saul. It's a good Jewish name, Saul. And uh, he said, uh, you know, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? And he has this, this encounter with Jesus, and, and man, his life's forever changed. And honestly, it's really even more than just changed, it's transformed. Because change has to do with shifting your behavior, but transformation has to do with shifting your identity. Different. You can change your behavior. You can modify your behavior. And that typically only lasts for so long. But when you're transformed, it completely shapes who you are as a person. And so that's, that's what happened to him when he encountered Jesus. And so his whole life is transformed. But he was this great, powerful guy. He had money and wealth and friends and power and authority I mean, he had it all. And then he starts following Jesus, then he loses everything. Like, you would think that his life would be way better. And it got way worse. Way worse. Like, he actually, like, you can read this in the book of Acts. It's, it's fascinating. Like, the church in Jerusalem uh, called him back. Now, he's out planting churches, like, doing this. All around in the Greek world. So there's a Jewish man going to the Greek world. That's where he kind of got his name Paul, right? So in the Hebrew world, he was Saul. But in the Greek world, he's Paul. So he goes out and he's, he's doing all of these things. He's planting churches just like this. Like he's coming back for the one-year anniversary and, you know, doing all kind of stuff, you know, and encouraging and everything. But he, he spends most of his time in prison. He's in jail half the time. But there was this one time where he goes back, like he was summoned back to the church at Jerusalem because they were like, hey, we don't like what you're teaching out there. You know, like you're telling people that they don't like you're telling men that they don't have to be circumcised in order to follow Jesus. And they're like, we don't think that's fair. But to all those Greek dudes out there, they're like, yes, and amen. You know, that's fine. It's fine. You know, I mean, circumcision, that's a thing. You know, they're like, hey. That's serious business. But think about it. Back then, I mean, it's not like they have, you know, the medical technology that we have today. Back then, it was grab a rock, swing hard, don't miss, right? I mean, that's pretty much what that was. So, <laughs> so yeah. here, bite this rag right here. You know, they, I mean, what they have for, you know, is grit your teeth. So they're like, yeah, so we don't appreciate that. How can you say that? Like, you're, you're, you're going away from your, from your Jewish traditions. You're telling people that they can just follow Jesus whenever they want? That's crazy. So they, they have him come back to talk to him. He brings an offering to the church, and then they actually take him out on the front steps and start beating him. Then they conspired with the government to have him arrested, and... Because they said, oh, yeah, he's this guy who's leading a revolt. 
What? It's not who he was. So Paul then goes to jail for two years. He's in prison for, for doing something and being somebody that he wasn't. Like, he's like, that's not me. I didn't do this. I'm not the Egyptian guy that you're taking. Like, I'm not some terrorist. And they're like, well, that's what they say you are. So, you know, until you can prove it otherwise, you know, we're just going to keep you in here for, you know, you know, to appease those people over there, we're going to keep you in prison. So he's falsely accused. He's in jail for two years for doing something that he didn't do. So then, two years later, his trial comes up. And he's sitting in there, and, and uh, he goes, okay, now you need to go against this other guy. You know, um, go see uh, Festus, this guy Festus. Uh, any Festuses in the house? Any Festi in here? No? Okay. Yeah, you're, 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 is there anybody named Festus in here? Middle name? Surname? No. You know why? Because your parents loved you. Okay, that's why. So, so they said, well, okay, now... We need to tell you because uh, Caesar is God and Caesar is Lord. So, But we hear that you're telling people that this Jesus is Lord. Are you doing this? That's treason. So then Paul says, well, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. Uh, and he goes, oh, well, then I have to put you back in jail because that's treason. So here's Paul. He spends two years in jail for doing something that he did not do. And now he's in jail for doing something that he did do. He can't win for losing. Now he's an enemy of the state, which means that nobody is uh, like guards. Nobody like they're not forced to take care of him. So if there's any way that he's going to survive, it's because people come and bring him food, clothing and water. They're not obligated because he's a, he, he, he had a treasonous act. They're not obligated to give him anything. And his cell is in the sewer. So that's where they put people to die. Because nobody wants to be associated with a, you know, with, with, with a traitor. So most people don't come and actually bring them food. But there was this one guy named Epaphroditus who was sent from the church at Ephesus to take care of him. So that's, that's kind of where Paul's at. That's his life after saying yes to Jesus. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He's writing to the church and he says, because of these surpassingly great revelations I'm having, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, scholars have talked about what it means to have, what, what was Paul's thorn in his flesh? Some people are like, well, you know, because he was blinded by Jesus' presence and everything, and so his eyesight was a problem. Some people were like, yeah, he was fat and short and he was bow-legged and he walked with a limp. Yeah, he was bald. Yeah, he had a mother-in-law. Yeah, he had all this kind of stuff. He, he, everybody's come up with these, these, these things that, that, that are Paul's thorn in his flesh. But he tells you what it is. He tells you what the thorn in his flesh is right here. Look at this. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. It's not all those other things. What's the thorn in his flesh? The messenger of Satan. Those thoughts that come in his mind that say, remember what life was like before you started following Jesus? 
Remember how good you had it back then? You didn't have all this conflict. You didn't have all this chaos. You weren't in jail. People didn't hate you. People didn't want to see you dead. Remember what life was like? Oh, yeah, you think you're going to change the world now? Look where you are. You're in prison. Oh, that you are not enough. A messenger of Satan to remind him who he used to be. Oh, you think you're this big Christian dude? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you've had people killed. You've got blood on your hands. Who do you think you are? That's what Paul's thorn in his flesh was. And I dare say that it would probably be fair to say that that might be our thorn in our flesh too. The messenger of Satan that torments us, tries to remind us who we used to be. Now, Paul's in prison. He finally has his court date. He has to get on a ship with 247 other people. Now, this is a first century boat. This is not a Royal Caribbean cruise liner. This is, this is, they are they're in chains. There's guards around with them. And they're transporting all of these prisoners to have their day in court. And a lot of them, they were on their way to be executed. So this is, this is the death ride here. This is the green mile, right? So they're all in this boat. Well, they're out there 14 days. They've run out of food. They're hungry. They're starving. It's wet. They're cold. It's rainy. Then they get shipwrecked. So they get shipwrecked right by this island called Malta. Malta is uh, on the tip of um, uh, Sicily which is off the tip of Italy. So it's right in that region right there. So they're, they're, they're shipwrecked. So all the guards are like, hey, the boat's going down. If we lose one prisoner, the government's going to kill us all because they won't know if they escaped or got away or whatever. We could tell them whatever, but they're not going to believe us if we don't come with all of our prisoners. So we need to make sure that, that we stay alive. So let's kill all of them and just say they drown. And the one guy goes, yeah, that's a good idea. However... That means we'd have to kill that guy, Paul. And I really like him. And they're like, okay, fine. So the boat falls apart. They all make it to the shore. Now, this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. So once safely on shore, we found out the island was called Malta. And the islanders there showed us unusual kindness. And they built us a fire because it was raining and it was cold. Now, verse 3, Paul then, seeing all this, goes and gathers a bundle of sticks and says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help out here. Now, think about it. They're hungry, tired. I mean, imagine you've almost died out here and, and, and you're cold, wet, hungry, and you're like, oh, the last thing you want to do is help. So he's a good guy. So he's like, he's going to get some brushwood. So he picks it up, and as he puts it on the fire... A viper is driven out from the heat and fastened itself to his hand. So here's Paul. He goes, he goes, hey, hey. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh, what? I mean, what would you do? What would you do? I mean, y'all have snakes around here, right? Y'all are like unaffected by this. This is Texas. This is like a, this is a Tuesday for us. What is this? This is not a problem. This is not a problem for us at all. 
<laughs> I guess it's no big deal. What are you, wimp? What are you whining about up there? Paul. He's like, ah! And he's like, oh, 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 no. But it's a viper. The viper's a poisonous snake, so there's this, this venom that's oozing from his hand, but it's also coursing through his veins. So when the island, so here he is, he, he's he, he almost died, comes up here, he's just trying to be nice and help, and then, oh, so there's a snake dangling from his hand. Now, when the islanders see this, verse 4, they see the snake hanging from his hand, they said to themselves, no doubt this man must be a murderer. As you would. Right? When I first read this, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That makes zero sense. What do you mean, no doubt this man's a murderer? They said, for though he escaped the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. Now understand, in this part of the world, uh, there was, uh, uh, the goddess Justice was the god of retribution. Meaning that if, if, uh, if you did something bad or wrong to someone, it would be like seed time and harvest or karma and some other religions. But, but for them, the goddess Justice in the Greek world was the goddess that evened the scales. So if you did something bad or wrong to hurt somebody and you got away with it, justice would come around. What goes around comes around. So justice would make sure that it would come around to you. Now, why did they deduct this? No doubt this man's a murderer. Why would they go straight there? Well, one, they knew he was on a prison boat. So it's like, oh, okay, well, he must have done something wrong because he was in chains. Oh, a viper now gets him. Well, he escaped the sea. Justice tried to take him down there, but he lived. But oh, now he's here. Oh, it's a viper. So now he's going to die. So no doubt he must be a murderer. Quick thinkers. <laughs> Quick thinkers. And very judgmental. Very judgmental. I know a lot of those people. No doubt, I'm sure, because they're all standing right there. He had to have heard them. But think about this for a second. Who was Paul before he was Paul? Saul. And in fact, he was indeed So they had no idea who he was. This was a few, a few years before Facebook. You know? This was like during the MySpace age. So, but... <laughs> it was, you know, like, like they didn't know him. They didn't have like Paul. You know, they didn't have like his profile picture. They didn't know who he was. They had no idea who he was. They didn't know what he's done in his life. But you know what? Even though they had no idea... They were right. They were right. And oh, that thorn in his flesh, the messenger of Satan, reminding you who you used to be. He could have just sat there and went, you know what, they're right. And left that snake dangling from his hand. 
And he could have just sat down there and let all of that venom continue to... And just let more and more and more and more just until it finally killed him. But look at what verse 5 says. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. What is he saying right there? You know what? Ah, no doubt this man's a murderer. They're right. You're right. But thanks be to God. That's not who I am anymore. Thanks be to God. That's not who I am anymore. Justice might be the one trying to even the scales, but thanks be to God. That's not who I am anymore. And he shook it back off from whence it came. Verse 6, the people expected him to swell up and suddenly fall down dead as you would. But after waiting a long time, there, you know, it's kind of like, okay, watch this. This is going to be fun. Watch. This is going to happen. Watch this. No doubt this man's a murderer. Oh, he shook it off. Oh, isn't that cute? It's cute. He thinks he's going to be okay. Watch. It'll just hit him. It'll just hit him now, and then it'll just kind of fall down and start seizing. And um, then his heart will stop. He'll gasp, and then some, some spittle will come out. Watch. I've seen it a hundred times. I mean, it's... <sighs> keep watching, keep watching. Expecting him to suddenly fall down dead after waiting a long time. It's been, it's been a minute. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing unusual is happening to him. Look, he's just walking around. He's just walking around. <sighs> it's really... Nothing's happening. <laughs> I... I think he's a god. <laughs> I mean, because he overcame justice. How in the world could you overcome justice if you're not a god yourself? That was his death sentence. That was what reminded him who he used to be, that he would never be able to be anything else other than that. His identity was wrapped up in who he used to be. How could they... How, justice? Really? How did he overcome justice? You see, in the first century, Jews, um, uh, in, in all throughout Jewish history, uh, uh, there's a couple things that, that they would understand and know. Like if you're a firstborn in your family, um, uh, firstborns are the ones who get the justice for the family. So you're firstborn, you get the justice. Anybody born after the first child, it, they get mercy, right? So firstborns get justice, secondborns get mercy, Right? How many of you are firstborns in here? You're like, yes, I'm a firstborn. Yeah, look at you. Yeah, it all fell on you, didn't it? Mom and dad, you had the rules. There was, you like, like, and everybody, after, born after you, they're like, well, they didn't have to do, why did they get to do that, right? And so there's all that stuff going on. You were the one who took the brunt of all the punishment, right? Firstborns get justice, secondborns get mercy. How many of you are the baby of the family? You the babies? Yeah, look at y'all jerks. Did you hear that? Like, yeah, baby, woo, yeah. Yeah, you're all jerks, you babies. Yeah. yeah. Look, some of them are like, hey, what about me? I was a middle child. Yeah, nobody cared about you anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, 
See, there's that messenger of Satan right there. That's right. You're just the middle child. Um, <laughs> so uh, firstborns get justice, secondborns get mercy. So there was this idea in Jewish culture that if you um, were, the, were the firstborn, it, like, like if you did something as a secondborn or otherborn, they would call them, uh, then, then say you broke a window. Well, that family could come to the firstborn to get the payment for what you did. That's why uh, the double portion of the inheritance would go to the firstborn, not because they were just the first and they were, no, 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 because they had to look after everything else and everybody else. So firstborns get the justice, secondborns get mercy. So that's why Jesus said, Jesus said this, he goes, um, uh, Paul said this about Jesus. He goes, uh, Jesus longs to be the firstborn of many brothers. Paul also said that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Meaning that Jesus is the only one who's ever, ever been willing to take the justice for all of our sin so that all of us could receive mercy. That's why he told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Nicodemus being a Jew who was a firstborn because he was a Pharisee, all Pharisees had to be firstborn. There was a predisposition to be able to judge things. So he said, that's why you have to be first. Like, like you, he, said, he said, bro, you need to be born again. He's like, well, I would love to do that. It's a spiritual rebirth. Understanding that it has nothing to do, there's nothing you can do to take the justice for your sin. It's everything that, so that's why he said, um, uh, you're, you're born into Adam, you need to be born again into Christ. Because in Adam you receive the justice, but in Christ you receive so look at that. They say, he overcame what? Justice. <laughs> Paul overcame justice. How do you overcome? Revelation says you over, we're overcomers by the what? Blood of the lamb. The apostle Paul snake bit no doubt he's a murderer yeah but thanks be to god that's not who i am anymore do you what do you know what the number one uh greatest antidote is to uh a, a venomous snake bite do you know actually this is what scientists have discovered it's lamb's blood google Lamb's blood, friends. That'll cure it just like that. What? Okay, I don't have time to get into all that. But you get it. All right. So they're waiting on it. So they're like, whoa, this guy's amazing. Now verse 7 says this. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius. Any Publius is in the house? No. Why? Because your parents loved you. Right. He was the chief official of the island, so he's the governor, the governor. So Publius, the governor, he welcomed us into his home and showed us generous hospitality. Of course they welcomed us into his home. This is the guy that overcame justice. Come on in. Verse 8, 
So his father is sick in bed. So uh, Pooh Sr. is sick in bed. He's suffering from fever and dysentery. Now back then, that's a death sentence. Now you just go get some Tylenol and Imodium AD. Two days, you're good. But back then, you're dying. So he goes in to see Paul goes in to see him. And after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. Now think about this for a second. Here's Paul who three days previous had just been snake bit and reminded who he used to be but said, thanks be to God, that's not who I am anymore. And three days later, the same place that used to cause him great pain was the same place that God used to go put on somebody else's life so that they can experience healing themselves. Woo! My God. God, are you hearing what I'm saying today? It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or who you did it with. The messenger of Satan can come and stick his thorn in your flesh. You can be snake bit and reminded who you used to be. You can let that kill you or you can shake that off. And say, thanks be to God, that's not who I am anymore. So we're, upper, we're, we're overcomers by the what? Blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what the Bible says. We're overcomers. So how do we overcome the messenger of Satan? We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. But we're also overcomers by the word of our testimony. That this is what happened to me. Yes, this is who I used to be. Yes, I have scars right here from this snake bite. But I am not going to hide them. I'm not going to keep them to myself. I'm going to let God use what tried to kill me and destroy me to bring healing in somebody else's life. Verse 9. Look out. Verse 9. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the island were came and came to him and were cured. What? Every time you share your story, every time, look, people, we're all sick and tired of hearing all of the awesome stories in life, right? Don't you just hate that? You hate it. You're like, oh yeah. Like, you know, we, we've, we all know church planners and, and like, I mean, look around, this is great. This is amazing what God's done in a year. But we know people have stories like, yeah, we opened a church and there was a thousand people the third week. And you're like, you know what? I want to cut you. I do. I will stab you. I will stab you. I'll shank you and, and I'll just walk away like nothing happened. It's cool. I'll do it in a big group where they won't know it's me. Right? Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's great. Good for you. Yay. But most of us can identify better with people who've been through the struggle. Because the struggle is real, friend. Struggle's real. Those happy little Facebook pictures you have with everybody smiling, that ain't real. That ain't real. That's real for about 10 seconds. How many times have you been somewhere and everybody's like, okay, everybody, get on in. Come on, girls, let's get in. And then like, like five minutes later, they're all like, I hate you. I just can't stand, you know, and they just all go crazy. You're like, y'all were just smiling five minutes ago. That ain't real, man. 
People want real. They want to know that you've been through the struggle. Listen, if there's any single ladies in here, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Listen, you don't need no knight in shining armor. You, you, oh, I want a knight in shining No, you don't. You don't want some dude that ain't never been in a battle. You don't want some dude that's all dressed and cleaned up and all look good. That means he ain't never been through nothing. He ain't never been through a fight. You want your, you want your knight coming back cut, bleeding, banged up, dents everywhere, dirty. That's who you want because you know that guy has been through something and he's still here. Come on. People want to know that there's somebody that's been falsely accused and been put in jail. Somebody that has stood up and taken a stand and not, not, not allowed to climb the ladder anymore, but because he took a stand, he was cut down. They, people want to know that there's somebody that has been through something, been through a few snake bites and say, you know what? Hey, no doubt that man's a murderer. Reminded who I used to be, but thanks be to God, that's not who I am anymore. People are looking for people who've got scars all over them. Because scars are a beautiful thing. They're a reminder, number one, of where you never want to go again. But scars are also a reminder that you've been healed. And so you take that healing and then place that on someone else. And watch what God does. Watch what God does through your healing. Listen, Jesus made it to heaven with scars. Don't think that you won't. Jesus was willing. He shows up. He's like, hey, guys, it's me. They're like, that's not him. That ain't him. He goes, no, 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 no. Look, look. Look at my hands. Look, look, here's my side. Here, touch my side. You saw it. You saw it happen. Put your hands here. Feel my scars. Jesus showed us what it meant to be vulnerable. So the more that you share your story, the further you get from the pain and the sting of it. And, and, and then it scars over it. Then you can rub your hands over it and it, it doesn't sting anymore. But it is a reminder. The more you let people in and close and feel oh that's what you went through and you're still alive and you made it that is how hope rises that is how hope rises friends so how many of us in this room have been through some stuff? How many of us have been falsely accused? How many of us have, have been cut down for standing up for what we believe in and, you know, oh, man, I'm still in the same position? How many of us have been shipwrecked? How many of us have been snake bit? How many of us have been constantly reminded who we used to be, and because of who you used to be, that disqualifies you from ever doing anything, any significance for God. Whatever that message and messenger of Satan continues to tell, to tell you over and over and over and over again, whatever that is, oh, you know what? Um, I got a divorce. You know? No doubt that man's had 
committed adultery. No doubt this lady had an abortion. No doubt that on and on and on. No doubt this person is just an overall jerk, just an awful person. No doubt this. You're right. That's who I was. But thanks be to God, that's not who I am today. How many of us can say that? Maybe you're here. Maybe you're here and this might be your first time or maybe you've been coming for a little bit and you're just not sure where, where you're at. Let me tell you something, friend. Jesus came a long time ago and got scarred up for all of us so that we wouldn't have to take the justice. But, but because of his work on the cross, we now are moved. When we say yes to Jesus, we move from living in a life of justice into a position of mercy. Yes and amen. So if you're here today and you've never said yes to following Jesus, today would be a wonderful day to do that. It'd be a wonderful day to do that. You say, Jason, how would I do that? You just, right now, right where you are, you just say, you know, God, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying, I'm tired of, trying to figure out life on my own. I, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've hurt a lot of people. I've hurt myself. I just need you to forgive me, come into my life, make me new. You can just pray that right now. So, but I do want to pray over all of us corporately right now. And uh, so would you just posture yourself in a place of prayer? Say, Jason, I get those, message, <clears throat> those messages of Satan a lot. <laughs> they just constantly remind me that I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'll never be anything what I, what I have done in my life disqualifies me from ever doing anything significant for God or ever being anything significant. Yeah. I just got snakes. You know, if, if we could peel back our outer core and look into our soul, I just believe there's a lot of us today that just have snakes dangling from all over us. We can hold up both hands and just have multiple snakes just hanging everywhere. Listen, friend, this morning, no matter where those snakes are on your soul, you don't have to live with them anymore today. You can shake those off and say, you know what? Yes, that's what I did. Yes, that's who I used to be. But thanks be to God, that's not who I am anymore. You don't have to live with that guilt, shame, condemnation anymore. The Amish have, have a practice that they do. Um, when they come in a corporate setting for prayer, and they just, whenever they feel guilt or the weight of guilt and shame on their life, they just stretch their hands out like this. And they just kind of hold them there as if to say, you know what, I'm just going to drop all this stuff. I'm going to drop all these messages. I'm going to shake all these vipers off my hands. And I'm leaving them right here. So today, if, if, if you're wrestling with guilt, shame, and 
all that. See, guilt, guilt is something that you feel when it's something that you do, but shame is something you feel that when that's, something's been done to you. You know, guilt says, this is what I did. Shame says, this is who I am. So if you're here this morning like, Jason, I just, I just want to let it all go today. Would you just stretch out your hands like that, point palms down, as if to say, I'm going to shake those vipers off today, back from where they came from. I'm letting all that stuff go today. Yeah. Then what the Amish do is then they, after a few moments, they they turn their palms upward like this as if they put themselves in a position to receive from God. So let's do that. Lord, you see the hands and hearts of your people who are outstretched. And Lord, I pray right now that all of the peace of God would come in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of all of the words and sounds and reminders of who we used to be. It's today because of who you are in our life that we can say that's not who I am anymore. So now would you just let your peace come? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding that guards and protects our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let your peace be on your people today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. May the blessings of the Lord be upon you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he turn towards you and give you his peace. Grace and peace, friend. So good. I knew a long time ago when we were going to have this first birthday, I said, there's nobody better I'd rather have come in and speak than my man Spears. And uh, Jason is, is not only a friend, but he's actually an overseer for our church. And uh, so you're just not hearing some random dude, but you're hearing part of somebody that's a heart, has a heart for the house. And uh, we're so thankful for you, bro. And thankful for what, what God has done in one year. Can you believe one year? One year. I just can't wait to see what God does this year. I'm talking like we're in this series made for more. We'll we'll end it, we'll conclude it next next week. And we just believe that that God wants to unlock this God-given potential inside of you. That we would know that we're made for more and that we would seek after him and see what that is and looks like for us. And so, hey, we, I want you to know uh, one thing Jason said. He said, we, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we find freedom through that. And, and one of the biggest ways we find freedom through that is, is through our Hope Rising groups. And they start today, this week. This week we're, we're launching our groups. Man, we've got 13 groups this semester. 
Uh, man, I'm so stoked. I, I was like, 13 groups. I was like, one of my goals was to have 10 groups uh, be between, like, at least 10 groups this semester or next semester. Uh, was one of my, my, my goals, and, um, and, and God said, no, it's all right, I'll go ahead and take care of that for you. Boom, 13 in the first semester of 2019. Man, there, listen, there's a group for anybody. We've got ladies groups. We've got an exercise group. We, we've got, uh, a, 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 if you like food, they're going to like hole in the walls. Uh, if you like to shoot guns, they, like there's, there's a, a, a gun range group uh, with men's softball. Man, there's all types of groups going on. Like, there's no reason for us to be able to connect, to do life together, and to share stories, and, and maybe share some of the scars that maybe we've experienced in life, but it doesn't happen unless we get into a group. So if you've not signed up for one yet, it's cool. Go online, look at all of them. There's 13 of them. Man, look it look at over and find one and get involved into a group uh, starting this week. We're so excited about that. Uh, also, uh, I want to let you know that if it is your first time or you're new here and, and you've not filled out a, a, a Connect card or you've not talked to somebody at the Connect booth, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to, to meet you, uh, put a, a name with a face, uh, because one thing we love to do is we love to do life together. We love, we just believe that we're better together. Amen. And so we're, we're better together. And, and one thing we, you know, we do every week is we have growth track. Growth track is designed for you to discover your purpose. We don't want you wandering around life not knowing your purpose. And so if you've never been a part of growth track, hey, today, get in today. It, it, it's step four and you can get in. It doesn't matter if you've started step one, two or three yet. Get in today, loop back around, it's all good. It's right down at the end of the hallway. It'll, this is probably one of the shortest ones. It'll take another 20, 25 minutes or so, and then you'll be done. We'll feed you pizza, we'll feed you whatever it takes. We got food, we got food for your children as well. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. And hey, make sure uh, as you leave today, uh, get, some, get some cake pops, get a, you know, a buntini, you know. Uh, we're just coming off this 21 days of prayer and fasting, and so, um, I, you know, just use wisdom, okay? I don't want you going to go into like a diabetic shock or something like that, you know. You eat, eat a buntini, you're like, oh, this is amazing. And so, uh, we're going to, we'll, but we want you to enjoy that. Thank you so much for celebrating with us today. Uh, we're going to just one more time, we're going to respond to the Lord by giving. Why don't you stand up with us? There's three easy ways you can always give. You can text to give any amount to the number 84321. Uh, and if you've never set that up before, it takes about two minutes to set up, but it's safe and it's secure. Uh, you can always give online on our website, myhoperising.co. And then also you can give right here in service. And so we're going to give and respond to the Lord one more time and give thanks for what he has done. So, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today. We couldn't do this without you. We wouldn't want to do this without you. And so today we celebrate. We celebrate one year. But, Lord, not just being one year, God, we celebrate the stories that, that, that have happened over this past year. We celebrate the 101 people that have said yes to your son, Jesus. God, we say, yeah, we celebrate today for those 19 that have been baptized. We celebrate, God, that, that you're doing a new thing, God. And it's by, by who you are in your son, Jesus, that we would bring hope, God. We would, we would see a rise within us, God. And we just love you, and we thank Thank you, God. And we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus. Come on, say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's party one more time. Come on, let's party. Put those hands together.